you're listening to On Our Terms, where we share our friend and founder journey and tell you how being labeled as non-traditional seems to be our superpower. We hope you enjoy the ride as much as we have. Oh my God. Can you even? Hey everyone, it's Cami Padilla alongside my co-host and co-founder, Mary Meller. Thank you for tuning into On Our Terms Live, baby. Today we are talking about how in the world we built a tech app without being technical. I want to say that looking back, it was a beautiful curse with not coming from a technical background because it really taught Mary and me to truly step into our executive brains because we've been like faced with some pretty, pretty, pretty hilarious hard times with developing a tech product. But through that, we've also uncovered that who we are and what we're doing is very uncommon and how owning who we are has helped us capitalize on different business approaches when it comes to development. So we're excited for you all to listen to our conversation. Mary, can you let everyone everyone else know what they're in for? Absolutely. So like Kimmy said, we really want to use the time today to break down our journey as tech founders without truly technical backgrounds, like without a technical co-founder, without a CTO, without ever have written a line of code in a day in our lives. So we've really navigated this three and a half year journey of building a tech product and also like navigating the hardest times in our company, which have ironically all centered around our product. Um, pretty, pretty beautifully, I would say. And it, it's been an amazing ride. So whether you're a technical founder, uh, curious about how we've done this, or you're someone who wants to start a tech company, you have an idea for an app, but maybe you're intimidated to do it without someone technical by your side, we're going to show you how we did it. So we're going to really walk you through how we designed Vodium and built our beta product, how we've hired out our development versus building in-house why we haven't pursued a technical co-founder or hired an in-house CTO, um, and really how being non-technical has proven to be a blessing in disguise. So we've got a really packed conversation. Stay tuned till the end for our run-through where we'll share a virtual hack, a dream sponsor, and tell you what we're listening to and our take on what's going on in the world. So, Cami. Yay. Let's talk on our terms. On our <laughs> no, terms. I know. I felt like you were like, whoa, this is way longer. Just go with it, Mary. Let's have yeah. a conversation here, baby. Oh we need to tell people what they're in store for. So before we um, overload everyone, can you tell everyone how you've approached work on your terms? Well, speaking of development and building Bodium, um, we have been really lucky uh, to find like our perfect dream dev partner. And I say this as a way of how we've worked on our terms this week, because while we're sleeping, we have an entire tech team that's building our product and they are some of the smartest technical and product minds in the world. And that's the benefit you get when you hire out your tech uh, development to a company like Avanade. Avanade's our partner. They are a co-backed uh, company, part owned by Microsoft, part owned by Accenture. So no big deal. Um, just really, 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 really smart, awesome people that we have on our team. So it is a hack because as we'll get into, we used to lose a lot of sleep over our development <laughs> and our product. And um, now we don't have to worry about it. So it's been pretty, pretty amazing this past year working with them. Yay. Well, see, that provided the perfect segue, baby. Look at this. Look at this technical background. Do you see the banner? Should I do that? Whatever. It's going to happen. If it gives anyone a seizure, I really apologize. Okay. Doing the best we can. Um, So, Mary, that provided us the the best amount of cushion to dive into this conversation because it's been a wild conversation. I mean, a wild journey for us. So, um, I want to hopefully reflect back on this, though, this conversation very proudly, Mary, because it's been uncharted waters that we've taken on. And what we've also realized throughout is that, like many of us know in the tech industry, doing something not done or commonly done can lead to a lot of doubt and fear. And I believe that we've definitely gone through that. But, you know, today, you know, coming together before this 
podcast going live on LinkedIn, you were like, we, we just weren't not technical. Okay. Um, yeah. We're tech, but we just weren't technical. And that was a huge, huge, huge distinction that I know that you'll get into. But the big question I have is, would you repeat this again if you had the opportunity to? I mean, that's the the $10 million question, right? No, I'm kidding. Yes, of course I would. And I, I say that with the all of the privilege of having three and a half years of doing this under my belt, right? Like we now know how to launch, ideate, and build, ideate, build, and launch tech products, right? It's been incredibly hard. I think we've definitely probably taken years off our life doing this, but <laughs> absolutely I would do it again. And I hope, I hope we do it again. I hope this is the first of many tech products and products that we launch over the course of our lives. So if you're someone who has, um, a lot of ideas like we do. I mean, we literally have an Asana board with all of the ideas for our future companies and products. Then stay tuned. Tune in. Stay Listen tuned, up. Baby. Get your, get we, your notebooks out. Take notes because we're about to yeah, tell you we did it. Take notes. So Mary and I want to talk about our backgrounds. Yeah. So let's start just there. Be, just because we aren't coders doesn't mean that we don't come from a very technical or pro programmatic world, right? So sure, I never worked in tech or development, but I did work in a very super male-dominated industry mm. with a lot of technology and production technology. And when I moved back home to Valparaiso during the pandemic, my dad's a university president, so I was like the house IT. Literally. The IT help like, desk during the pandemic. podcast is overloaded. No worries. Do we need a router? No worries. Dad, it's okay. Just flip your toggle, open. Like you're really good oh, at that. You helped me with my mic issues this morning. Well, we also were badass executive assistants. So when oh. our bosses would have big, big, big presentations in person, and they had a slideshow, the whole part of like getting your HDMI cord to reflect the presentation on the TV. Oh my gosh, I handled a lot of stuff like that. But in terms of the very male-dominated industry, yeah. I consistently would have questions about how processes were done. I wouldn't um, be a hater against, you know, the actual people doing the processes, but I just felt, and I learned, and we're learning here is that there's just needs to be a lot of diversity and brain and thought within mm -hmm. executing anything. And that's, I wanted to get more technical. I wanted to learn more in my, um, you know, commercial advertising production background, but I felt like there was a limit that was capped on me. So I'm excited we got to learn it here in Bodium. Yeah. But what about your background, Mary? Absolutely. Well, I've I've always kind of been in the tech space or tech adjacent. I mean, from my first job out of college, like running webinars and virtual events for execs at CEB, um, to then moving into product marketing, which, you know, as a product marketer, sometimes you sit in marketing, sometimes you sit in product. I've done both, but I worked at Gartner marketing tech, tech research to tech executives. So I kind of learned the lingo there and then moved into a product marketing role for tech products, working at Everfi, mm -hmm. where I really like got my hands wet in product development as well. So I've, I've worked with a lot of product people. I've worked with a lot of engineers. I've learned how to speak their language and decode what they mean, pun intended. Pun intended. Uh, engineers are just, they are their own type of people and we love them. But um, yeah. I dated a few engineers. They're hard to go. communicate with, you know? Yeah, it's they, like they're, They don't have the best communication skills, <laughs> software engineers in particular, but um, no shame to any of our engineering friends. However, like, I think that the, the thing is, is that it's really, really, really different to build your own product um, versus to, you know, contribute to building a product or to market a product in a big company with millions of dollars uh, in budgets. So Touché. it was a first for me. It was a first for me. But, you know, I think both of our skills and just the ability to be scrappy, like, which yeah. we did pick up from being assistants, um, is really like the number one thing you need to build a tech product. Like you got to be able to pivot and just figure it out. Right. Right. And, you know, we've talked about this in the past, but you know, you and I have various degrees of ADD. Mm. Um, I remember growing up in high school specifically, and even in college, you know, a lot of teachers would make comment about why I'm such an outgoing, like 
charismatic person, but then it wouldn't reflect on paper or on tests. And, you know, I really was always in my head. I felt very like I needed to be attracted with something visual. And it was really hard mm. for me to pay attention to just anyone who wanted to teach me whatever they wanted to teach me. Yeah. So I found out early on that I really do have a visionary brain. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I want to talk about if someone has an idea of what a tech product could look like, like we designed our um, beta version of what we wanted it to consist of in terms of visual and functionality all on Canva. <laughs> we should share like, that. The mock-up is wild because it looks It was so cute. Similar. I mean, it, it does. It's really similar to what we have today. I mean, and we came up with the idea of transparency. Like who would have thunk? To be clear, there is one version that looks, com I, it doesn't look completely different than this, but yeah. it, it, I had no idea what it could be. But I yeah. immediately called Mary and was like, I, I, we, I have an idea. I need your help. I need your background. Um, I searched the market for my advertising job all over. I was experimenting with so many different types of applications. I was a power user. And then so I definitively was able to be like, Mary, I know exactly what the unique pain points we have you to right. um, build that I know other applications have not Don't solved have. for. And well, I had the visionary brain of how it should look. It was so cute. I was like, but in here. A dial here. Literally. Not like, here. Do, 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 do. <laughs> but I think you. this is like so important and like so critical to think like you had the vision. You actually had the pain point as a user, which I always say like you want to start a company or a product, like think about a pain point you have and like what would be helpful. And like that's exactly what you did. And then like I came in and was like, okay, like we need to do a jobs to be done analysis. Like we need to do like a TAM analysis, build a business case, like get some early user feedback, right? Like you had the vision of what we needed. And like, I brought my product marketing, like launch skills in and together, like we had 90% of it. And I don't want to downplay the tech piece because it's very important, but it was pretty easy to get an engineer to come in and actually build what we had envisioned. Um, and then we took it to market. So Right. And Let we that got be encouraging. And another piece that we'll get into is we've had a lot of cycle and change with our development partners, Avanade. We've been with them since kind of later year. last year, almost a year. A year, oh October. Almost a year. Last year. Yeah. Well, it's been a year. Well, it's mm -hmm. just gone just like this fast. Latin and fast. <laughs> like um, time passes by. No, what is it? Time goes by fast when you're having fun. Time flies when you're having fun. You're really cool. sure, 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 sure. Yeah, and yeah. because we are Amazing. like, it's not, it's not to say that like development is fun because it sucks if something goes wrong or if you don't understand something, all. but what we did over the huge learning curve that we have conquered so triumphantly of not coming from a technical background is we needed someone to trust, right? So Mary and I have gone through different developers. We had... David, who was our first developer, who we showed him um, the Canva mock-up. We told him exactly what it needs to do. We gave him the other applications to test out and reference, right? And he was like, this is pretty like easy. Like here's yeah. what we need to do. You want payment. You need some type of subscription-based model. We'll do activation keys because we are a desktop application. We mm -hmm. aren't a web-based application. So yes. of course, hiring development teams and development people, it, it, it basically, we were like the cover and they were everything underneath. So we were yeah. like, oh, finally we understand, you know, here's the model we've created. Here's everything. And it's literally as if they draw all arrows and tell us what each technical piece has to go in to make everything work. So that was the learning curve, right? It was understanding the systems, knowing what words to say um, that only really hit me hard once we started researching if Bodium is viable within enterprise accounts. Yeah. Because you are dealing with IT folks and security people who mm -hmm. like it, it it's hard to work with them it really is they're so literal and we had a very unique case for them like a desktop application 
of a video teleprompter activation keys. Like that was the hardest piece for me to try to understand, but it's been a year and a half of how to speak that language and how to ensure to these buyers that Vodium is an easy application to plug into their ecosystem. Yeah. I no longer have the imposter syndrome or finishing a sentence with a fucking question mark anymore because we've done so much trial and error and we've asked right. some brilliant people be like, are you sure? Is this it? Right. What I confirm? Is this right? Is it? Oh. And yes. So it's like, we've learned. Okay. Let's we've learn learned. something new. And, and also like the, the, selling into the enterprise, like we are going to do a whole podcast on that, but like these enterprises are not set up to work with startups. So we now, if you're an enterprise listening, um, we, we know how to work with you. We know how to work with your IT departments. We've gotten through security clearance and InfoSec and all that at, you know, financial institutions, law firms, like very secure, uh, enterprises, but they're not. And they, they treat, treated our app, which is pretty simple actually. Um, and doesn't store any any text that you put in. So we're not like violating a lot of the data laws or in, in risk of violating them, but like treating us, like we're coming in to like tap into their core systems. They are. It's because they see these two women and like, they want to poke, 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 poke. And we answer, answer, answer. And it's like, you're starting to you're starting to make me second guess myself. Like, well, we've done our, yeah. be like, we have the information. This is what we've researched. And still, I think another part of why enterprises do not trust us is because it's like, we're too small. It's like, it, their right. systems aren't easy. It has to be complex for people to they, logically trust it. Yeah. They ask us the same questions they're asking. Like, I, I don't know, zoom when they're coming in to hook into their systems. They're like any big complex tech product. Right. And when we tell them, no, like literally it's this easy, like we don't collect your data. They, it's, it's hard for them to believe sometimes, but you know, it's part of the game of enterprise sales. So we've, we've learned to manage that. Well, that's the perfect segue because we want to talk about enterprise, enterprise sales, its own episode, because it is so important and it's so nuanced and you know, another thing we'll talk about is when building an application like Vodium, people are really strung up on either two avenues of how you should approach it. And that's spend, 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 spend on like marketing, 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 or no, play the longest motherfucking confusing game of your life and go B2B sales. So it, <laughs> but yeah, they always say that that's the bigger return. So I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. we'll get into that. But well, we're trying both guys. We're trying both. So we're trying it all, which is something you can do, or maybe we're just lucky that our application is want by both consumers and by big enterprises. So anyway, Mary, perfect segue to you this morning brought up that we want to refine technical, oh, redefine, redefine. Or technical. And what do you mean by that? Yeah. So I think for a long time on this journey, we would go in and tell people we're not technical, but we'll bring in our technical partner or like, or when we were vetting last year, vetting new dev agencies, you know, we're not technical founders. And I think it was Nick Davey who helped us. (laughs) Um, Honestly, it's bullshit. We are very technical. Like, and, and I think that not having a technical co-founder is kind of a misnomer, right? Do we code? Absolutely not. Like, have we ever written a line of HTML or Java in our life? Absolutely Absolutely not. not. I didn't even know. Also, side note, like my husband codes as part of his like finance thing. I had no idea. Like like no clue that he knew how to code. I actually couldn't tell you what he codes. No idea. But he he sits there in college at the pool. Okay. There you go, Cammy. Cammy's more technical than we gave her credit for. So uh, I wish more people like really looked at me like I am a nerd, man. I just want to be behind so a I'm such a nerd and like, let's learn mm. something today. No? Yeah. No, you're a huge nerd. We both are. Big okay, nerds. Thank you. But, okay. But let me get that. Let me finish. This is Mary's soapbox segment. Uh, although we do not code, guys. <laughs> Let me just uh, take up space here. Uh, although we don't code, um, we are extremely technical. Can we write solid user stories? Can we manage a scrum process? Are we on Azure DevOps? Like, can we tell you the pros and cons between like hosting all your shit on Azure versus GCP? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, literally, do we know how all of our systems and databases work? Did we design our app? Like, do we manage a team of developers? Yes. Like, 
those are technical things. And so I'm really confident now, three and a half years into this and with what we do, calling ourselves technical. Like we're non-coders, but we are very technical in what we do and how we spend our time and the knowledge that we've gained. So thank you for your rant over, Mary. No, please get on your soapbox as many times as you want. This brings up some core core memories of being a part of this group and they provide they provided me with a mentor and there were a lot of trigger points in this group Ooh, because they were like a Latino organization so my mentor was uh, a male Latino which no 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 problem but I've had a lot of experience within politics where men mm-hmm. Latinos will be like oh you're Mexican mm-hmm. you don't you don't look Mexican you're not from Texas it's just like this I guess I exert some type of big ovary energy and that they want to find ways to like nitpick me and they also have found they've also loved to do that when I come to them vulnerable And, Mm. and they take my vulnerability as she doesn't know what to do. She cannot Mm. handle it. So when I went to this mentor, it was when we were trying to figure out the activation key problem. And guess what, bitches? It was just a goddamn approval of a domain. We were, our activation keys were getting blocked at big, big enterprises just because they needed to open up a portal for us. It was like no big deal. And it took so many easy whitelisting to figure it out. And we talked to the best of the best. We've talked to technical people. And so when we would explain and go on such detail and maybe not be literal of the problem, but paint the problem, this man specifically, I remember was like, yeah, I don't really see any why, any reason why anyone would want to invest in you. You need someone technical. Like they just were like, yeah, this is impossible for, for me that. to help you because you don't have anyone technical on your team. And I specifically told him, well, no, we do have technical people, but we feel like we're not getting what we need and that they know. So we are looking for different technical people, hence yep. Avanad. Um, but then another story that it brings up is we do work daily with a very, very senior developer and pro- project manager. And he is someone who's, you know, really understood how we're building and creating Bodium. And he told us about how he built or tried to build a company with his friends and they were fellow developers and they couldn't get the company off the ground. And he wishes that they just had more diversity and thought and in backgrounds amongst the people who were building the company, right? It was just a squad of developers, but they don't have this weird cami visionary brain. They don't have Mary's product development development business Barbie brain, right? Like you need sales and marketing. Like you have to have it. Well, I just like, it's just for me, how I relate building a startup um, to is building a campaign. Every campaign starts with first a campaign manager. And that person literally is just there to build out a team. But at first they are there to fucking figure out anything. Mm -hmm. Right. And so who do I need to solve this problem? Who would I, who do I need to build this? Who do I need to do that? Like they aren't the person doing everything. So I just feel like if it helps people understand what we're doing, we are building a company like a campaign manager and we have a team of amazing people that we hire, um, that are our expert, our thought partners in that. Right. And this is a good segue to people telling us, Mary, you know, why haven't we chosen to hire? Um, why have we chosen to hire out development versus building? It yeah. Out? You want to touch well, on that? And, and the guy that you mentioned last summer from, you know, the project you were involved in, like, isn't the only person who said like, mm, no one's going to take you seriously. Like we're not going <laughs> to invest unless you have a technical co-founder or you go hire a CTO. And we're like, that would literally take up our entire budget for the year to hire someone good and no, we're not going to do it. Like we're going to go find the best agency and which we did, we feel like we did. So I think the benefits of, well, let's start with the benefits of hiring, having a technical co-founder from the start or hiring a CTO, like everything's in house. You can probably be more iterative and we're not speaking from experience here, but from friends who have done this, um, if you want to change something, it can happen like that. Uh, you do grow your team internally, right? So if you envision yourself taking a tech product from, you know, a, more of a feature-based app to a platform, like there's definitely benefit there. But like 
for us, the risk benefit analysis was totally different. Like the benefits we get from hiring out our tech resources are we get top talent that we absolutely could not afford if we were hiring someone with the funds that we've raised so far. We retained all of our equity that we would have given to a technical co-founder or a CTO who, especially if you bring on later in the game, asks for like pretty large chunk of your company. And there's like super low risk. Like if that doesn't work out, sorry, like you're fucked, right? Like you've either given away a bunch of equity or invested a huge bit of money into their salary. And then you have to go through a hiring process, which we all know takes a really long time. For us, it's way more low risk to have this large agency, you know, multi-billion dollar national company with the best talent in the world working on our product. And we have a lot of checks and balances built into our contract and the way we work with them that if something's going awry, like it is addressed immediately and resolved so that the partnership can continue on in a beneficial way. And they have as much of a vested interest in our partnership going well as we do. And I, I don't think you get that same level of accountability when you hire someone. Well, I mean, it's it's just another different type of relationship. And we as business owners, because we trust each other and we've had experience of hiring people and not having great experiences that we knew that we wanted to be the business thought leaders and we knew mm -hmm. the business use cases like in product development. I mean, yeah, product development, but what am I trying to say? What'd you come from again? What'd you do? Product marketing. <laughs> so close. Development's on my brain, baby. <laughs> product marketing. Once we understood like that at the end of the day, the developers were going to ask the business owners of the user stories. Then I was like, you need us. You, you need this. Right. And right. so for us to potentially hire an in-house developer, we also learned that we went a hard route of building a desktop teleprompter. That's We didn't do that intentionally to like kick us in the ass, but it's because of the unique pain points that we're trying to solve for. A majority of applications that we now use are web-based applications. So mm -hmm. to hire a CTO who is also a coder to upkeep with a a web-based application is completely different than we were building it. So that was just going to be harder to figure out and find someone who really had all, who really had the knowledge base to really take that on. And as we grew into enterprises, we knew that yeah. wow, we need so much different uh, background experience, which in terms of enterprise and PCs, like Technically, that's a lot more experience, which means that this person would probably be super, super expensive. Or we go the route where we we do hire an engineer that's maybe more affordable for us, uh, but then we would have to have them delegate out work, which then would be more money. Like we we yeah. went through this in and out. We looked at our PL in and out. We were like, it's no poison, baby. Yeah, it is pick your poison. It is pick your poison. And it's not to say it's perfect, right? Like, and there is risk, especially as a small startup working with such a huge, huge development company like we are. But I think when you, you know, you, when you know, you know, you know, like right. when it's the right fit, you're going to feel it. And, and when that, when a partnership's not going well, you're also going to feel it. And I think that's universal. It's not just for external partners, but also employees, right? Like when things aren't going well, like you, you know, and in product development, like, you know, fast because the product's breaking, <laughs> like it works or it doesn't, like it looks good or it doesn't, you're having issues or you don't. And so, um, yeah, it's been a wild journey and we've, we've been in both shoes. Like our product was broken for, or it wasn't working. I don't, I know you don't I like just never, broken. I don't know why I'm like, no, it's, well, it's triggering. Uh, our product didn't work in some enterprises for a year. It was absolutely horrible. And it was all because we just needed to whitelist a domain. I remember the day that one of our big banks in Australia said, oh, it's good. It's not the accent. But I was like, are you shitting me? Are you shitting me? Do you know how many goddamn people we've talked to? And none of them brought up that as a potential um, equation to what the problem is. And that bothered me even more because I'm like, what? 
Who needs a technical background? These damn goddamn coders didn't throw this idea out for a long, long time. For a year, we were researching why this was an issue. So, Mary, I think that gusto and that bravato has yep. shown us that not being technical has proven to be our blessing in disguise. And do you want to give a little bit about how us being te not technical has been our superpower when attacking to grow our startup via a network in business, because we're, we're showing people the big, 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 big picture. Like we're, we're not just a tech product. We're so much more. And that's allowed us to then go to Ovid, basically pitch them to take us on as a client, right? Yeah. Like we've had a, we've had to have a lot of background that's not technical, that actually is leading to the progress of our very technical application. Yeah. I mean, you said it, it's exactly it. Like we've, you know, just to add, like, I think it, a few things. One is we've gotten extremely good at asking the right questions and asking a lot of questions. And, you know, the journey of, of going from having never built an app to now managing a product with a global customer base and a huge tech team is that we've learned a lot and we've gotten to learn from these amazing, amazing, smart, brilliant technical minds. But on the flip side, just to build on what you're saying, Cami, is like, we've brought skills that traditional technical founders don't have. And when you think of like a traditional duo of tech founders, you typically have a business brain and a technical brain or like a coder and someone who knows sales and marketing. But the benefit of having two founders who have sales and marketing experience is that like we have double the network, like we have double the ideas. We, we have very different skills, but at the end of the day, they're all around growing our business and our idea. And so it's worked really well for us, I would say. And if you can find someone who you work well with and they're not technical and you're scared about that, like, again, it's really as simple as hiring out your tech. Yeah. And it's just, even if you're with a technical person that you've been able to get early on to your company, it still comes down to trust. Do you communicate well with mm -hmm. them? Are you all honest about your feelings? And what if you're a little pissed off at that person and you don't feel like they're returning their work the way that you would want them to return their work? Are you open to have that conversation and not make it personal and then grow the relationship? Anyway, uh, Mary, because another thing that I learned that wasn't technical is the whole product marketing basis of mm -hmm. how to build a company and understand to ask the right questions in order to build Vodium to become so much more niche and narrowed and mm -hmm. user focused. So can you quickly tell me how you would explain jobs to be done yeah. and why it was so Ooh. important to get user feedback and business cases, personas, like all of this was new to me and you, you just told me this is what we need to do. And I was like, right, let's get her done. Let's get her done. <sighs> You know, when I was in product marketing and I, I had a product marketing agency, that's what I was doing before um, or, and w during while we were building voting, we talked about that. Like I always said, product marketing is for, to me, the most fun part of marketing because you touch every part of the business and you touch every part of like a product lifestyle from ideation, market research to actually prototyping um, and giving feedback on like UX and UI and like how that will fit what users are asking for to what are the value props? And this is where job speed incomes. Like, how are we going to actually take this to market? Like what messages will resonate with people to actually managing the launch? And then on the, on the post-launch side to equipping sales teams into selling it and like giving them everything they need to sell, to go and sell and market a product um, to then getting customer feedback on the product and then taking it all the way back to the beginning of the cycle and iterating and making it better. And so <laughs> you're literally touching every part of the business and every part of the product life cycle. Well, think about what it takes to be a founder, right? Like it's all of those things. And so it was really cool and exciting. I had never had a product-based business, but when we started Vodium, I'm like, okay, so let's just treat this like a product launch, right? From like what we actually need to be doing side. Cami really brought in the, we're going to treat this like a campaign from an operation side. Like we're going to get on a schedule. We're going to boom, 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 knock this shit out. But from a like, okay, what are we spending our time on side? Everything I had was doing with my product marketing clients. We just did with Fodium. Like we went through a naming exercise, a pricing exercise, a jobs to be done exercise. And jobs <laughs> to be done is this whole concept <sighs> that 
you, people don't hire products. Like they hire you to do a job for them. They hire the product to do a job for them. I'm, I'm butchering it, but, um, look up Clayton Christensen. Yeah. Uh, he's, was the father kind of of jobs to be done. Um, jobs to be done. Like you need to get a job done. Okay. Let's, let's, let's spell it backwards, right? Let's walk through all of the steps to how to get it, how to get there. It was a very, like everyone's been through that process of this is what needs to get done. How are we going to get there? And it, Mary provided such a beautiful space for us to be able to be just like brainstorm and think out loud and not have the answer, right? No matter what you are building, there's going to be so much discovery. You have to put yourself out there to ask questions, to figure out how to make it better and iterate, right? No one's going to have all of the answers. And that's also gave us such tougher skin to continue to be like, no, we are confident with what we are saying. We are confident with our business story. We are confident with how and where we want to take Vodium and our technical future, which is something we've, you know, discovered over three and a half years that I want to talk about is we've done so much goddamn research and based on Mary's jobs to be done and her product marketing background, like we have now built the business case of if someone wants to eventually take this somewhere, well, we have figured out those missing pieces, right? So what we want to say is there is that we have no ego with Vodium, right? We believe in it so, so much, but we believe that it should be native in a communication platform. Like we are currently building an application, uh, a Vodium application for For the Teams app. Mm -hmm. And we can get deeper into that, but Mary, we get asked all the time, Oh, well, what if Zoom or Teams just just builds this? Like, and we've gotten that from the beginning. So yeah. what what have we what what I want to try to say, and then I want you to let me know how what you would say to that question is from the jump, we've been told no. And what if they're gonna do this and they're gonna do this and they're gonna swallow you? And it's been almost four years and it hasn't happened. So we're we're not afraid to admit that there's a big cloud over us, but we want to say that okay, well, we've figured out then how to even magnify that cloud even bigger for you. So tell us what you would say to people. To people who ask us, um you were like, what? Where whoa, are we? Whoa, what? whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a lot to respond to. to. To people who ask us all the time from day one, um, well, what if Zoom builds this? What if Teams builds this? We say like, great, call us. Literally hire us to come build this for you. Because to tie it back to jobs to be done, and I, I wanted to kind of end on and close out that section with this, is that the jobs that we came up with literally month one of Vodium that Vodium does for people, which is gives people confidence, allows them to make eye contact while they're presenting, right? Lets them feel in control. Those haven't changed. They haven't changed in the thousands of customer conversations we've had. They don't change with the types of users that we we have. Like the, the jobs are very similar from an executive who wants to feel confident and make eye contact to a yoga teacher who wants to feel confident and make eye contact and have presence on camera. Like Those are the same. And so I think like when we talk about what we've built and being four years into this journey and none of the platforms having built what we've built yet, like we have a blueprint, right? Like we know what the market wants. We know what our users hire us to do. And we've built a badass product that solves those jobs. And no one else has done that yet. Zoom hasn't done it. Teams hasn't done it. And That's why we're really bold to say, like, we want to partner with one of the big platforms or someone who wants to help us solve these jobs and, like, solve the pain points for millions of people around the globe. So, like, I literally went to school for broadcast journalism. Mary has set up, like, big, big webinars with some big, 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 big people, right? What we learned, and it isn't to boast about ourselves, but wow, we learned that the people who created Zoom and Teams, they were, they had, they were coders. Like they are very technical, but they do not know the gravitas of what it means to capture an audience on literally. Video. And that's not their problem, but maybe they need some amazing, 
amazing, like very professional women who aren't afraid to be on video and right. take advantage of the virtual space and make it work for us because so many of now their customers, especially big, big businesses have invested in their technology. And this is how they are making sales and they are trying to grow their business. And yet those platforms aren't teaching them or enabling them to be the best speaker on video. And that, that it, I think I just take it so personally <laughs> because I'm like, yeah, I don't really. get it. I don't get it. Just, it's... just fly Mary and I into your corporate offices, have a company retreat. We'll teach everyone how to use Vodium and implement into your systems and how to come off amazing virtually. And we hope that could serve as a case study that then we can show teams and be like, teams, now take us, please. I mean, I literally. Guess. And if you're listening to this and you have a team, literally, we literally, literally, literally. We hire, we hire, we offer training services and we are going to be launching, Stink Preview if you're listening this far, a new uh, e-course on presenting virtually. So uh, you can hire us for that too, just a side plug. But I, I just, it blows my mind every day, the new features that these platforms um, release. Like on Zoom now, you put a thumbs up and a little thumbs up bubble comes above your head. But yet, people still can't read their notes and look in the camera without using our product. So, um, Mary, 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 kind of crazy. did you just, did you just shade big tech? A little bit. A little bit. I'm just taking no prisoners today, guys. I don't know why I'm not my, I don't feel like my normal bubbly self. I'm just like, yeah, let's talk about tech. Like, I, my, yeah. Like you're, this is you're, we're a no brainer. Swisher and, uh, I, don't, I never know how to pronounce her name. Kara and, uh, Scott, Kara Swisher and, and Scott Galloway, Scott Galloway vibes. Who is my voice deeper know. today? Yeah. Ooh, well, who's who? Kara's sick, so she has this deep, deep voice. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I give like Scotty vibes. You're um, more Scott. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, anyway, to Scott and Kara, we would love to uh, to to meet you guys one day. Actually, Scott was my friend Lucy's uh, college professor at Shut NYU Business School. Oh, uh -huh. I yeah, would. She had him die. in person. He was awesome. I would die. Okay. Well, Mary, I think that really. Let's wrap up really quickly about our future. Yeah. The future is that Mary and I are going to try to manifest that we have the ability to partner with a force multiplier and yeah. stay tuned for what that may be like, right? So that's going to be very heavily involved with working B2B sales, working our partnerships, working our network and getting in touch with the platform's designated product team. An app yeah, team, literally, <laughs> just we um, just no big deal, just no, no big, big deal. deal. We're trying no big our deal. best. Um, yeah, we feel like we have uh, the customer use cases, the proof, the product market fit, the tech, the IP, the brand, the story, like the research. Soon the book, soon the training courses. We have this amazing like ecosystem of resources around virtual communication and centered around our product, and we just need a force multiplier to help us scale. So. Call us if you're out there and listening to this, or if you Call know us, someone, if you want to reach me, yeah, um, put us in touch. Yes, put us in touch. Okay, so Bring let's transition to thing. the run through. No, and the annoying thing is, is when you, I you didn't this. know, and then so I, I literally do this already to show people that, hey, I'm not going to unmute myself, but yeah, I'm down, and now Zoom with its AI sees that I'm raising my thumb and then puts up a thumb and then that's distracting. Anyway, it is what it is. So weird. Um, I haven't updated Zoom because I'm dreading that feature. I guess I can turn it off. Here I am. A tech founder. I can figure this out, right? No, it's all good. This <sighs> is we want to talk about. We want to shade. We want to give tea while we also want to celebrate and uh, promote the, the things that we truly love. It, it's yes, nice, man. It's uh, okay. Cami, give us your virtual hack this week. So last week, you and I talked about our blended lifestyle. Mm -hmm. We talked about how we've chosen Tuesdays and Thursdays to be our meeting days where we are showing up, giving feedback or leading a team, right? We don't want to make it a day that where we need to make too many decisions or execute something after those video calls because what we have learned, Zoom fatigue is very real. Showing up on video can be very exhausting. And if you don't take advantage and own your schedule, you could literally have back-to-back, back-to-back meetings or back-to-back -back work on something, have to execute on a deadline, and then pop up on a meeting 
like it's a lot of mental exhaustion. So please go to Vodium.com, try Vodium for seven days. Use our promo code Vodium15 for $15 off once the trial is done. And try this out. Before your business heavy meetings, go into Vodium and type out all the agendas and the points that you want to get across in those meetings, right? What how, what do you need to get across in order for you to feel good and step away that things are progressing after that meeting? This also brings up the point, listening to our favorite podcast, Mo News, what's getting Ooh. more popular is the 15-minute meeting. So let's say you have Vodium on top of all your meetings. You know that at 9 a.m. you talk to Mary. At 11, you talk to your accountant. Um, at two, you have a panel discussion, right? It's so many different things and so many different types of versions of yourself that need to show up. So if you have everything already in Vodium, it allows you just to have a day where you know your main priority is just to show up and right. you've already prepared what you need to say. And if that makes you more efficient and give time back on those meetings and have a 15 minute meeting, then more power to you, right? The quantity of a meeting does not mean that you're having a more effective conversation. So that's my virtual hack, baby. Wow. That's an amazing one. Take note, people. Thanks. Download Vodium for free and um, load in your agendas. It's really good. Um, let's dive into the news, pop culture. I'll start. Uh, you know, if we recommend something two weeks in a row, it must be really good. I am obsessed with the morning show season three. It just keeps getting better. There is a big tech element in it now. John Hamm and Jennifer Aniston's chemistry is out of this world. Um, I really wish just, I would have they saved should it just, They it. should just be with each other. But I think like John Hamm is at the age that he'll only date 40 and below. <laughs> hate that. Hate that. Hate that. Because they um, they play two really great characters. But it's, it's just gotten more interesting and um, they're at the, it's caught up to us. So like they're talking about the road decision in, in this past episode. It's wild. Mm. So, uh, yeah, loving the morning show. Um, listen to a conspiracy theories podcast on Spotify. Uh, no, this is not like some crazy, creepy right wing, you know, backwater internet podcast. This is produced <laughs> by Spotify. It's pretty lightweight. Uh, Interesting episode on aliens in the White House and Jimmy Carter's UFO uh, experience. I highly recommend. It was fun for a road trip. And then it's it's college football season in the South, one of my favorite times of year. So um, every Saturday, every Friday and Thursdays now, uh, we're watching football at my house. So Aww, we have the two TVs on the porch. The amount of times I just wonder, you know, is an alien invasion going to happen today is uh, is through the roof. So last week when I was talking about the news that I'm obsessed with, right, DC Barbie, I kept on talking about Mark, no, I meant to talk and say Jim Jordan. I kept on saying Jim Meadows, but it's because all these damn people men. over there, men, y'all names are so simple that it's too easy to forget. So I was talking about Jim Jordan. Oh my gosh, Steve Scalise has dropped out of the um, Speaker of the House race in the House of Representatives. We had such uh, high hopes and, for him. Yeah, poor guy. He was like, uh, no, well, guess what? Kevin McCarthy like spoke out against him, basically nudged his friend and ally, Steve Scalise, and was like, yeah, I guess he can't get the vote. So that was humiliating. Steve Scalise dropped out. Then Jim Lame. Jordan is still hasn't gotten the votes that he needs. And so the tactic that he's using, which is hilarious, this is only used when like a measure needs to be passed, uh, right? On in the house, he is basically going and bombarding people via marketing and spam to say, hey, these are the representatives who aren't voting for me. Here's their numbers. Here's their names. Here are their offices. Do what you need to do to make these people vote for me. And then Sean Hannity is going off of the Jim Jordan comms folks and then going to those representatives and saying, is it true that you are one of the members who aren't voting for Jim Jordan when we are literally uh, you know, in war with Ukraine, like when we're, when war is happening in Ukraine, Israel, Gaza, it's really, really messy. And 
Taylor Swift, karma's gonna bite you in the ass, Jim Jordan. Yes. Whether you get the speakership or not, like that karma, it's just like that's bad, bad energy. Bad All those people will come and haunt you. Um, so yeah. at least Yikes. at least this is weird. People don't understand how much I love politics or just know. Anyway, we'll see. That's a really huge thing that's on my mind. But to segue to like really what I dream about and wish I could be is I'm obsessed with the show Discovery of Witches on HBO mm. Max. It's three season. It's based off a trilogy and it's about different species, right? So it's human species, the demon species, the witch season, mm. this witch species and the vampire species. All normal things, right? All regular things. It's all normal. It's, it's spooky, spooky season. Who doesn't want to go on a date with a vampire, right? right. Um Anyway, let's end this episode with our dream sponsor, Asana. Asana. I'm going to repeat. Love, hate. Well, okay, Mary, you your hate, it's once you get into it and accept it, it is amazing. And Asana is a project manager application. It's a web-based application, or you can download the desktop application. So another thing that's happening right now in the virtual world is people feel like they need to be confined to only updating their notes and upkeeping with how their systems flow digitally or on, you know, technically, which can be very overwhelming, especially for someone like me who loves to write out things, right? Asana should be just a project management point where when you know you need to show up and provide detail on your deadlines and your progresses, that that's when you only enter it in, right? I don't care if you're writing essays on uh, scroll books, but then by Monday morning before your Tuesday meeting, you're looking through your scroll, seeing what you want to update into Asana, right? It's just scroll. one place, a one epicenter. It's like a drive for people to then check on the progresses on things. But I feel like you get really anxious about that. You have to upkeep, you have to keep up with it every single day. Yeah. I just, I don't like project management tools in general. I'm a spreadsheets girl, but. Asana, I'm, this isn't, this isn't your person, you know? Yeah. It's not me, but our team loves it. So just come sponsor us. Come change my mind, you know, come, write, well, come talk to us, train me. <laughs> Mary wants to share a Google spreadsheet and go little coordination, like line. drop down, filter, different colors. I get it. I was a huge spreadsheet woman. Too. Yeah. But now we Taylor get notifications, always, Mary. Now we Taylor get always uh, is like, how can you not like it when you click something off a unicorn flies across the screen? I'm like, I don't need the unicorn. I just need it to be marked. Scratch it off. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, on to on to different things. Let's close out on our terms. We are so thankful for you all for joining along for the ride and listening to on our terms. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share our journey wherever you're on social. Thanks for joining us live on LinkedIn. Um, we're listening in after on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Uh, Ooh, plug here after. to please, 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 please rate and review our podcast. Leave a review if you enjoyed this or you're enjoying the series. It helps us uh, reach more people. So that's that'll be it for this week. XOXO people, Gossip Girl. Bye. Bye.